I'm gonna I'm gonna get that accelerating healing I was looking for and I also got a message that's leaving me feeling empowered as a Christian I feel so refreshed and have so much more hope and just it was a breath of fresh air I have a lot more peace in God will give you what you're needing, but you have to be able to get out of your own comfort zone and take that step of faith and be bold. Just in getting the confirmation and the words and coming back, I call them my checkups. I had gotten a prophetic painting and I had my card as I read through verse after verse after verse. The last one was Jeremiah 1.5 and that's when I knew. And it just, I mean, it just hit like a ton of bricks. Like there was no denying it. You could, it, it's like it just, completely wrapped around me and I just I just knew um, and I knew that I knew and it was just one of those moments that you just you can't deny it and you just spontaneously break out in tears and you just lose it put yourself in a place where God desires to flow and where he has people who are sold out for him these people said you can have my life and you can use me to minister to other people that's what this church does they minister to other people. And as long as I've walked with the Lord, this church continues to minister to me. And uh, put yourself there in the body of believers who desire to minister to you and desire to show you the love of God. The people here uh, want to be here so much to serve people and you can feel that. You can feel that in their prayers and uh, it's beautiful. Your heart may have been hurt and you may have a hard time believing that there would be a God kind enough to do a miracle for you, give him a second chance because uh, he's much more willing to do the healing than you're willing to cross town and come to a church. If you are dealing with something that you need prayer for, you need to, you need to ask for prayer. You need to ask and you need to get that healing. And even here, just getting healing in the healing rooms here or having prophetic words spoken, spoken over you, people, these, these people do not know you when you walk in. They don't know you. And you have to know that that's the Holy Spirit speaking through them when, when, when they speak to you because they're speaking about things in such an intimate and deep way that you, the Holy Spirit has to know. So why not? Like, why not come and get prayer? Why not receive healing? Why not be encouraged and edified um, and given direction on where you need to go through, you know, prophetic spoken word over your life? Why not? Why not? And Lonnie has done just such a great job in this, as he's taken that on. And um, in the healing rooms, they... They pray for physical healing. They pray for emotional healing. Uh, they give prophetic words over people. They do prophetic art. There's just a whole bunch of areas. Next one is actually July 7th. Am I correct? Uh, it's 9th. Okay, sorry. Um, just because of 4th of July weekend, they actually moved at one. But do, do come and make, you know, make use of that. We've had some extraordinary testimonies, and they're increasing, which is awesome. So... Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I felt like the, the mandate on me in this season is to do a healing apologetic. 
where we actually look at Scripture and we begin to relay the foundations in ourselves for confidence that God heals. The challenge we have is when the circumstances around us don't look like what we thought they should look, we can very easily begin to adjust our theology to fit our circumstances rather than go into the Word and absolutely stake our claim on the Word. I love the song they, they talked about, or they sung about building our life on a firm foundation. Well, we need healing, deliverance, these aspects of ministry to also be on a firm foundation. And so we, we've had a couple of shots at this. We, we talked about healing first as a manifestation of the kingdom. You want to put those, that up there? Are we there? Yeah. Healing, healing is a manifestation of the kingdom. Then we looked at healing uh, last time as a power gift of the Holy Spirit. What a great Pentecost Sunday that was. We had some incredible testimonies. This morning, I'm going to look at healing as being in the plan of redemption. This may be perhaps the most difficult one for us to grasp, but I believe it actually is the most important of all those I'm sharing. Because this is the, the foundation that we stand on when everything else doesn't feel right. And so I want to spend some time on that. Start with a T.L. Osborne quote. Both sin and sickness came into the world through the fall of the human race. Therefore, we must look for healing of both, of both in the Savior of the human race. God is as willing to heal believers as he is to forgive believers. Know this, if he was merciful enough to forgive you when you were unconverted, he's merciful enough to heal you now that you're in his family. T.L. Osborne is probably one of the most successful of the healing evangelists. When I taught on humility, you may remember me saying that I had trouble finding humility quotes from that, that period of healing revivalists. Well, the, one of the exceptions of that period was actually T.L. Osborne. He taught a lot on humility and compassion as being the key elements to seeing the release of the power of God. Um, so com coming into to our task this morning, there are basically in the body of Christ there are three views as to where healing fits. The first view is that healing is no longer available as a part of the gospel message. The, the basic understanding is that healing was used by Jesus and the apostles to validate uh, the gospel. But as soon as scripture was complete, we had the complete canon of scripture, then healing was no longer necessary, and it's no longer to be considered a part. Um, that's, that's not a very widely held view today. Uh, when I grew up, it was the widely held view. Uh, in fact, this is what, that's a view I grew up in. Um, the second, and the work of the Holy Spirit in that view is, is reduced basically to being the convictor of sin. The second view is that healing is a special grace. Um, that's given to some. This is probably still one of the, or the predominant view in the body of Christ. Um, th this view doesn't see healing in redemption, but it does see that God 
does heal, but it's limited to his sovereign intervention. Um, one of the ways you can tell if you live in, the mental, in the, this middle view is if every time you're he, praying for healing, you're saying, God, if it's your will, if it's your will, if it's your will, if it's your will. We're looking for the sovereign intervention of something. And it's still quite a very common part. If you pray for somebody that's sick and they don't get healed in this view, then you have to accept that the sickness is the will of God. And so a lot of the body of Christ still looks at sickness as being from God or being his will that this is on you or his judgment or, 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 or all of that. Uh, Sally and I grad, uh, graduated from view one to view two when we started pastoring a church. And we lived in view two for a long time. And then we graduated to view three. And view three would be where Dayspring is today, where Sally and I are. This would be our foundation. We believe that healing is included in God's plan of redemption. Healing belongs to every believer and acts as an invitation to unbelievers. There need be no question as to whether it's God's will to heal. If we don't see healing, we recognize sickness as the will of the enemy. The challenge the body of Christ has is when we don't see what we're believing for, too often we be begin to believe that that's God instead of recognize that we're in a spiritual warfare and there's an enemy that we have to deal with. Sally and I have dealt with more sickness in our lives personally in the last year than we have at any time in our life, and yet we're more convinced of number three than we've ever been in our life. It does, our circumstances don't change our theology. It just means I'm not living up to whatever this is that I believe. And for the body of Christ right now, there's got to be a challenge that, that we press into more in this season and that we get our belief in healing firmly rooted where Scripture places it and not where our experience or our history or denomination or whatever has placed it. Um, it really does matter what we believe on this. This isn't just an exercise in you know, what other people think. If we, don't, if we don't understand that healing is part of the redemptive process, we will never pray with real faith. Persistent faith is almost impossible because we're always asking the wrong questions. Um, you know, the, the, the emphasis in Scripture was never on the sovereignty of God uh, for healing. Um, not once did Jesus say, God's sovereignty healed you. He said, faith healed you. He, he, he never referred to this as a sovereignty issue. He, he, it was rather as a faith issue. The special grace view, the second view, does make pastoring easier. Because it gives you convenient answers to questions that we don't have answers to. It's easy to pass it off as God's will instead of fighting through and trying to recognize that that's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, you know, Sally and I, over the last few years, have had some incredible opportunities. One of, one of the most dramatic was in South Africa about three years ago. We were asked to speak to a church movement. It was the largest apostolic movement in that region. Um, they planted thousands of churches, thousands and thousands of churches. And 
the the kind of senior leader asked Sally and I to come. We had no we had no ownership. We we just come and help us understand how to move into healing. And so they they called their senior leaders together, and we had about 20, 25 of their senior leaders that gave oversight to all their churches and. We, we had a inner room for four hours together. And uh, going into the, to the meeting, I felt the Holy Spirit say I wasn't to teach. I was to answer questions. And so we started and went into just letting them share their struggle. And one of the very, very first questions asked by one of their senior leaders is we're just, we're afraid of healing because we don't want to give people false hope. Where do they fit on the one, two, three spectrum? They're in the special grace category where we can't stand our feet bedrock on this and, and believe that it's true even when we don't see the manifestation. And guys, that's, I'm not saying that's easy. It's not easy to walk through things we don't understand. It's not easy to walk through a death of a friend. We've walked through a death of our own daughter that cannot change our theology if those things change, then we don't have that firm foundation in the word that we need to have. Um, this, we were able over that next four hours to see a shift and that entire movement has actually shifted into the most incredible signs, wonders, miracles. They've actually seen their first resurrection from the dead as a result of that four hour meeting. It shifted understanding from the special grace view to this actually belongs in the gospel and the atoning work of Christ. And for the body of Christ in this nation right now, we need to be a people that are declaring the truth of what the word says and not moved by, by the change. I mean, most of you have lived long enough that culture changes and fashions change and, you know, everything, there's, everything's changing around you, but the foundation never changes. I, I appreciate Nate sharing in the offering about, you know, what happened yesterday. And, you know, Sally and I, um, for 49 years of our ministry, have been believing for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. That's not a political statement. It's a righteousness statement. When Roe v. Wade came in in 1973, it was under Richard Nixon, a Republican government. This is not a Democrat-Republican issue. To us as believers, that's a righteousness issue. And, and we believe for that to be turned. And it doesn't mean we don't have compassion. There don't need to be concessions. And uh, I mean, I think there's lots of things that are gonna happen over this next period. And we have to continue to pray and we have to be a compassionate, loving people in the midst of where we are. But we can't, if we're afraid to celebrate righteousness, we've missed it. And we've got to be a people willing to celebrate in the midst of, uh, of turmoil and uncertainty and what this means. I mean, when Roe v. Wade was brought in in 1973, ultrasound had been invented in 1952, but it didn't really become medically acceptable in the U.S. till 1972. So one year before Roe v. Wade, uh, ultrasound started to be used. And ultrasounds given to every pregnant woman didn't happen until the end of the 70s. So it was, it was easy for science and perception to not see 
life in the womb, but to see it just as a mass of tissue that, 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 that was, you know, going to become life. And so the perception changed over the years, and suddenly we have this ability to see things that there is life. And, and when, it, you know, for, for us as, as believers at this stage, I'm saying more than I intended to today, but for us as believers to celebrate that the breaking of something is a good thing. And, and we've got to not be, we've got to, we've got to not be so politically correct that we don't celebrate what God's doing. I mean, intercession for 49 years. We have literally been praying for 49 years to see this happen. We, Sally and I, have been praying for 49 years. What does it feel like when you begin to see a glimmer of something? I honestly didn't believe I'd see it in my lifetime. To be honest, I didn't believe I would see it in my lifetime. Okay, Steve, back to get back to where you belong. The fear of the special grace camp, and it's a very legitimate fear, is that if we believe healing is the, in the atonement and people don't get healed, that will cause people to doubt their salvation. That's the fear that holds people in that middle bracket. And it's a very legitimate fear. But I, I believe, Sally and I believe that that's actually based on a wrong foundation. I don't, I don't think that healing equates with salvation at all. I believe healing equates with sanctification as a part of the whole of atonement. And many people come to Christ, but they don't appropriate their full freedom, whether it's emotionally or whatever way. And, and physical healing fits in that same category. It's just there for us to appropriate. It doesn't change whether you're saved or not. It simply means there's, some, there's more that we can grab a hold of that we haven't laid a hold of yet. And so for me, that's the, that's the, the, the rock solid um, when, when, he, when we recognize healing is in the atonement, we stop asking the question, is it God's will to heal? Because he paid for it. I've just got to figure out how to appropriate it. And I've, I've got to figure out where that goes. And, you know, the, the challenge we have is we can't blame people. Um, there are a lot of people that we've had to take through inner healing because people blame their faith for them not getting healed. If I'm praying for somebody and they don't get healed, it's not their faith on the line, it's my faith on the line. Um, you know, it's, it's me that has to grow. It's me that has to appropriate more. It's me that has to understand. We've got to stop blaming people. We've got to start blaming God. We've got to recognize we have an enemy that we're fighting who is a real enemy. John G. Lake said it this way. He said, when I saw for the first time by the word of God, that sickness was not the will of God. Everything in my nature rose up to defeat the will of the devil. Can you grab that with me? I remember the moment my life changed. I was in the number two category, and the nurse on our mission station called me over to the dispensary and I walked into the dispensary, and as I walked in, some of you have heard me tell this before, but the, the nurse was saying to me, 
Steve, this little girl's dying, but there's nothing medically wrong with her. And I walked around in front of that little girl, and I saw my first demon. I saw a demon on her face and choking her. But I was in the number two camp. And I didn't know I had the authority to deal with that. I went home. That little girl died. But I lay down on the floor in my bedroom. And I just said, God, never again will I look, stand in the face of the enemy without the power to break this. And that was my graduation from two to three. <laughs> I got up filled with the Spirit. Got up filled with the boldness. And we began to see healings like you, you, you just can't imagine the level we've seen over the years. But it's that shift that we have to take place when we suddenly get this away from questioning whether it's God's will that they're sick to knowing that it's the enemy doing this. It changes, the, it changes the way we go after it. It changes the way we challenge it. And we begin to stand in a new way. Let's go into Scripture and let me just show you this from Jesus. Jesus goes into the temple early in the morning um, in Luke 4.18. He picks up uh, the Scripture and turns to Isaiah 61, which is a prophetic word about his own life. I love it. Um, this word's going to define his life and by implication our lives. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So the Messiah would bring in a time, a season, um, it would be a season of God's favor, and it would include freedom and wholeness. That, it's clear from that passage. Peter then looks back to Isaiah as well, not the same passage, different passage, when he writes, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds we are healed. Now, I grew up believing that that verse was primarily spiritual. That the healing there in, in, that Peter's referring to was a spiritual healing. And most in the special grace camp would still believe that Peter's statement is a statement primarily of only spiritual healing, not physical healing. And it, it raises the question, is healing in the atonement or isn't it? Or is it spiritual healing, or is it spiritual healing and physical healing? Does it all belong in the atonement? And, and it's a legitimate question. One of the first teachers we heard on healing was a man by the name of John Wember. And uh, they, they were teaching in England when we lived there. And they were a fascinating couple because John, from his theological background, was still battling with whether healing was the atonement. And Carol, his wife, was convinced healing was the atonement. And so they would teach back to back, and they would just bounce off each other. And, and you know, when you hear people teaching from perspectives, now toward later in his life, John did finally come to terms with that and believe that healing was the atonement. But in those early days of fighting through to get a hold of something, you're fighting through theology. Some of us in this room are fighting through theology. 
do we really believe? Can we actually take a hold of the Word and stand on it, even if we aren't seeing the manifestation of it? Can we do that? Um, the passage that Peter was quoting there in 1 Peter 2.24, he was actually quoting from Isaiah 53.5. Let's read this in Isaiah. In Isaiah 53.5, it says, but he was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising of our well-being was upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. So, again, is healing here physical or spiritual? Well, we see several things happening. Healing is, is connected for the first time to the scourging, which is an incredibly important component of this. The, the blood purchased our redemption. His death uh, was our death for sin, but his scourging was actually for our healing. But is that just spiritual, physical? You got to decide. I, I remember wrestling with this for hours, and uh, I don't know, I, don't, I can't tell you how long I wrestled, but it was a long time. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself. And I will never forget the moment that I read Matthew 8, 16, 17. Now, I'd, I know I'd read those verses before, but you know how Scripture suddenly comes alive to you? And you realize that you're suddenly seeing what you didn't see and clarity comes to what wasn't clear. And I remember reading this passage. And when the evening came, they brought to him all who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill in order that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases." And in that moment, I moved from two to three. In that moment, Jesus himself said Isaiah's prophecy is, includes physical healing. Once we grasp that as people, once that becomes bedrock, then we will stop giving the enemy so much room in our lives. We will stop treating illness the way we treat it, and we'll begin to fight it in a different way and in a new way. We, we've got to start fighting against the things the enemy does. You know, we're in a season where the enemy has put a lot of sickness on this body. God didn't put it on this body. It didn't come on the body because something else was happening. It, it, it's there as a direct distraction to the things God called us to be. And it's time for us to rise up, rise up and say, our foundation is the word of God. He purchased our healing. Now let's fight for it and contend for it. And let's make it real and full in our lives. That's the moment we're in uh, personally and as a nation. Um, I, I, can, I can remember that feeling of revelation. It was like blinders fell off, and I saw it. My encouragement for you this morning is let the blinders fall off. Whatever you've been dealing with, whatever you've been fighting, whatever you've been going through, it, it's clear from what Jesus said that Isaiah's referred, word refers to both physical and spiritual. Both are involved. Your, your spiritual healing is essential. It's the eternal 
place we have as adopted sons and daughters of the king. But physical healing also belongs to this time, to this day. And, and we're seeing it increase in extraordinary ways, extraordinary ways. The implication for this is that a Christian should have just as much confidence that God will heal their bodies as they have that he will forgive their sins. How many have struggled with that issue? Come on, be real. I mean, our, 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 his, our religious background, our, our, our theology, our study, we've, the mentors we've been brought up into have been afraid to push through into this realm because it's terrifying. Because when you believe, number three, you have no more answers. You have no more excuses. There's no pat answer I can give somebody that, that, that will make them feel better in the moment. I don't know why it didn't happen. I don't. I don't know why Sal had to walk through cancer last year. We, in the same meeting that we, that we had discovered her cancer, we saw another lady with cancer healed in the same meeting when we prayed for her. I don't understand that. To be honest, it drives me crazy. Because I want to figure it out and know I got that engineering brain like you, and I want to know this, this, this equals this. And this isn't engineering, it's faith. But once we settle it, then we will actually begin to fight against the illnesses we're battling in ourselves and in our family. We'll begin to take stands that this isn't normal. Is it normal for a child to die? No. We've lost several, several babies over the last number of years. But one of the first resurrections we saw in here was a little girl named Miracle. I should have put her picture up on the... Is Debbie up there? Are you up there, Debbie? Give me my phone. Hey, Phil, do you have that picture on your phone. Let me, I'm going to send this. I'm going to ask you to take this up to Debbie. Sorry. You're not supposed to do this while you're preaching. I'll sh I may have to show this next time. Who did I send it to? Just recently I sent it to somebody. Sorry. I can't, uh, it's going to take me longer than it should to find that. But uh, Miracle just had her 16th birthday. Her mom walked in the door back there. And uh, I saw her weeping and I walked back pastorally to just be with her. And, I mean, I was going as a pastor. And uh, she and her husband are back there, Zach and Natalie Young. Um, I prayed for him. Sally walked up about that time, and I kind of told Sally what was going on, helped her know what was going on. I was being all pastoral. And Sally just took her hand and said, Life! And jammed it into Natalie's belly. 
I'm thinking, baby, it's be. But halfway through worship, Natalie felt the baby move. She was scheduled for a DNC on the Monday. She went in for the DNC, and they did a full exam, and the baby was completely healthy. Yeah. They named their daughter Miracle, and she's now 16 years old. Just had her 16th birthday. Guys, we've got to... We've got to not stop accepting things as normal. Now, do we have an answer when it doesn't happen the way we want? No, we don't. In the midst of us believing for resurrection from the dead, Phil and I and Sally and Marlene stood at our daughter's bed as her life slipped away, believing for healing, believing for resurrection. But that can't change our theology. It just means we're in a battle. And sometimes we lose some of these, and I don't know why we lost it. I, I, I think probably we're going to have a lot of eternity to ask some questions about wives. I have less answers today than I've ever had in my life. But I'm more bold and confident about what God wants to do and is doing than I've ever been in my life. It's time to stand up, church. It's time to shift out of two and into three. It's time to answer the question for ourselves: does God want to heal? Not, not, do, not can God heal. That's a number two statement. Does God want to heal? That's a number three statement. And when, he, when we take the number three stance, we position ourselves to see what God wants to do in this next season. You know, some are going to quickly go to Job and point to Job and say, well, Job is an example of God putting sickness. I don't believe that. If you read in Job chapter 3 and verse 25, it actually gives the key to the book of Job. In Job chapter 3 and verse 25, Job makes this statement, the thing that I most greatly feared has come upon me. What opened Job for the enemy to ask permission was his fear. When that greatest thing, this is the, the greatest, one of the, one of the translations actually is, the greatest terror I faced in my life was this. And now it's come upon me. When you live with that kind of fear in your life, it's going to affect you. Oh, there she is. Excellent. Thank you for finding that. Who found that? Thank you. You're awesome. That's miracle. Isn't she gorgeous? Right back there, about, about where Lonnie is sitting. Lonnie, stand up. See where Lonnie's standing right there? That's where she came back to life. At that spot in this room. Guys, we've got to shift into a boldness. And, and as things go crazy in culture and all kinds of ways around us, when you put your feet on the solid ground, you can walk through this thing with joy, anticipation, expectancy, and you're going to begin to see God do incredible things. Thanks for finding that for me. Okay, last quote. 
Reinhard Bonnke, one of my faves. Christianity is the supernatural operation of the Holy Spirit. The faith once delivered to the saints is a miracle gospel, a miracle salvation with physical evidences. That's what's going to change our nation. Don't know if, how many of you have read Reinhardt's uh, autobiography? It's, it's, a, it's a book about that thick. It's, it's incredible, you know, detail of God's dealing with him, bringing the place where he had the breakthrough. But the most dramatic moment for me in that entire book was in, in one of the chapters he was, he had seen healings in his crusade, but they just hadn't broken out. It wasn't, it wasn't widespread yet. And he was in the back room um, praying before the crusade started. I said, God, why can't we get more miracles? And he's just, he's begging God for more breakthrough and more miracles in the crusade. And as he's just weeping literally before God, he hears the Holy Spirit say this, Reinhardt, my word in your mouth is as powerful as my word in my mouth. My word in your mouth is just as powerful as my word in my mouth. And he walked out on the platform that night and began to declare, blind eyes open. And across the audience, blind eyes began to open. My word in your mouth. What this nation needs is a people who believe that his word in your mouth carries power. If that's your heart, would you stand with me? Put your hands out kind of like this, just to receive, in receiving mode. Father, we stand before you as a body of people committed to see breakthrough, yeah. refusing to back down, yeah. refusing to surrender ground. We stand as a body of people that will push through to see a breakthrough in our city, in our region, in our nation, and the nations of the earth. We declare that healing belongs as a part of your gospel. And we stand on that, and we, be, we allow it to become a part of the firm foundation that we, where we plant our feet. We believe Amen. that this is what you desire. Now, Holy Spirit, come. Solidify that in our hearts. If you said it, then we believe it. And you said that you were physically healing and delivering as a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And if you said it, then we believe it. And we stand on it and we appropriate it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Ah, could you have some ministry teams come down? There's several people in this room that have struggled in your faith because of the disappointment in things you've seen. You've been disappointed that you've not seen what you prayed for, you believed for. You've not seen 
what somebody else prayed for or even told you or prophesied to you, and it's caused you to shake in your own confidence and faith. And if that's you in this room, I want you to be super bold at this moment. I want you to come out of your seats and come down and let this team pray for you. Because we're going to believe for a breaking away from that circumstance. And we've all had them. We've all had them. But it's time to break free of those things that are limited us. So if you feel any limitation in this, come right now. And this team's going to pray for you. We're going to believe for wholeness and freedom and healing. If you're struggling in any way in your faith as a result of history, just come right now. And let's get whole in Jesus' name. Come right now. Let's get whole in Jesus' name. Let's get whole in Jesus' name. We could use a couple more teams down here. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Oh, God. Yeah, come on. Yes, Lord Jesus. Mm. Nathan Hardy, would you come down? You can go back up and turn off in a minute. Jesus. <laughs> Nathan's trying to figure out if he's in trouble or not. <laughs> Nathan's right over here. Put your hand up, Nathan. I want several people to come and gather around Nathan. Nathan has faithfully done our video and online pretty much since COVID happened um, for, I don't know, over a year now, year and a half, two years now he's done it, almost every Sunday. Well, Nathan has got an incredible job. And as of tomorrow, he starts at the post office. Um, great job, great benefits, great salary, great everything. Everything except the post office is going to require him to work every Sunday for at least a year. And God has supplied some incredible people to take over up there. Is it Mark? Am I right, Mark? He's going to be doing a couple of days a week. Ray, uh, Sunday. Ray's going to be doing some. Ursula spent years watching church online and God spoke to her heart to step in and help with a camera because she was so blessed by what happened in her life. And so we, we thank this. What? Eunice? Oh, Eunice. I said it wrong. I'm so sorry. My brain doesn't retain names. Eunice, correct? Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry, Eunice. I did know better. 
So anyway, stretch out your hands toward Nathan as they pray for him. When you're done, this is a gift for him from Dayspring. Yes, Jesus. Angie and Jeff, and a couple of people gather around uh, Chuck and his wife right in front of you there. These guys have carried in procession for as many years as we have. Some of you come around, just gather around them. And I know the, the delight in their heart at answered prayer is just so powerful. Father, we just release them from today. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for breakthrough, Lord. We thank you for a new level of boldness and confidence in what you're doing. We thank you for shaking us out of number two and getting us into number three. Thank you for the graduation into a level of faith that we've we so desperately need to walk in. We praise you, Lord Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Just thank you for what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit. If you're a guest with us, um, we want to make sure that um, we get you a gift packet. So Shelby's back there. Just stop by the Resource Center. Talk with her. We'd love to get you a, a gift and get some information from you. She's sweet and approachable. How wonderful is that? Well, we've, we've had a, a lot happen. You know, some of it was talked about today, but our response as a church is that we love. You know, Marlene just shared with me earlier, and I was thinking about, you know, on my license, you know, I'm an organ donor. And, um, you know, when, when they, let's say they would take a kidney... And they would give it to somebody that needs a kidney, right? That's how the organ donor program works. 
I don't really have a choice who gets that organ. It can be someone that aligns with my views and all of my beliefs, or it can be somebody that lives the very opposite way that I live. And I don't have a choice in that. When I'm an organ donor, my donors go to whoever needs it. And in the same way with what's happened with Roe versus Wade, the mission of the church is to love no matter who it is, no matter whether they agree with you or they, or they don't at all. I don't have a choice with my kidney, but I do have a choice with my love. What 